Hey, hey, this is Richie coming at you from the School of Marketing HQ. Before you dive into the show, I just want to tell you about a brand new short 12-week program we've launched called the Giants Marketing Masterclass. The program gives you access to insights and expert comments from over 25 CEOs and CMOs from major companies like Unilever, L'Oreal, M&S, Pret, and WPP, just to name a few. We focus on six key areas of marketing, customer, brand, commercial, creative, channel, and data and analytics. So if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions, do check out the School of Marketing website for more deets. Alrighty, for now, enjoy the show. Everybody and welcome to another Friday show. Uh, apologies for last week, which was a was a miss with Cheryl Calvary, but Cheryl will be coming back on very soon. But I'm delighted this morning we've got Richard Bond. I've known Richard for a number of years. Richard is Managing Director of Clear Channel, which is um, a goliath of the media industry, um, probably best known for outdoor, but has a few more things. He's been Managing Director for two and a half years, but Richard's actually been at Clear Channel for, I think, 22 years in total. Um, but I would say he's anything but one-dimensional. Uh, in fact, I know Richard in a few other guises as well. Clear Channel have been sponsors of the Sprintathon, and I think underneath it all, Clear Channel are very clear about how they want to give back to a, a broader group than just financial stakeholders. Uh, and Richard himself, you'll come to see very quickly, is a very good-hearted person. And giving back is really at the heart of what I think makes him tick. I remember I did a talk on neurodiversity a couple of years ago, and that was Clear Channel, you know, well ahead of the curve in terms of thinking about that as something important. And the platform that Richard's driving is to be a platform, the message that Richard's driving is to be a platform for good. So very taking community and environmental issues very seriously. Um, so I asked Mark Boyan, who Richard and I both know quite well, just to say, you know, what, what, what do you think about Richard? Um, just, to, just to flatter him a little bit. And, uh, and Mark, who's um, you know pretty big hitter himself, said, Richard is one of the best in the industry as a bias for action and openness to transformation and change and incredibly trusted and dependable person. I think Richard's got a fascinating story to tell, and I'm really glad that we can dig into that a bit today. So very welcome, Richard. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited, but also very nervous. Absolutely no need to be nervous there, Richard. I mean, certainly after what you've probably been through over the last 18 months in the outdoor space, this is going to be a doddle, to be honest. <laughs> but hey, look, um, in all honesty, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on this morning. I've been really looking forward to the show for, for a long time now, um, clearly because, quite honestly, you know, we, we talked to lots of marketers, but actually there's no more specialist and expert than someone who literally has lived and breathed the cold face of this pandemic. Um, you know, the outdoor space has been hit pretty badly, I would say, um, or certainly what what it looks like um, in the headlines. Love to get your take on it. But before we do, I want to get a sense of how you're feeling. How, how How's it on the ground for you at the moment? It's it's really been, you know, probably the steepest learning curves the last uh, two, and a bit, uh, two and a bit years. As Mark said, I've been uh, in outdoor in a clear channel for 22 years. I can chose this industry because I kind of love the idea that uh, out of homes about infrastructure and media, and I always found that quite an intriguing business concept. There's not, uh, you know, other media businesses about content in media. I think the fact that out of home is about infrastructure in media was always something that appealed to me. I actually kind of fell in love with the medium via one of our competitors, uh, JC Deco, as I'm a, uh, a, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a Frenchman. Uh, but I've definitely got to say the last uh, kind of two and a bit years have uh, been another journey, I think, and a, and a good opportunity to put to, to the test the idea that uh, you know a good leader should be able to learn 
and learn in uh, relearning. I think that's definitely been one of the big kind of big takeaways from the last two years. I've always heard about this expression, and I don't think I've applied it anymore in the last two years. And I think while you are changing, while the business is changing, I think while still remaining true to your personal values uh, was always a uh, uh, one of the, one of the big uh, one of the big things. And uh, you know, I often reflect upon that this idea of how do you make sure you do this idea of learning, unlearning, relearning while remaining true to yourself. And I think, uh, you know, I think probably one of the things I'm the proudest about on a personal level, but also on a professional level. So, Richard, I mean, as you say, I mean, rich learning and out of adversity comes some of the greatest learnings. What, what do you think you've learned about what yourself and yourself and what motivates you through these difficult times? Yeah, I think the thing that probably my biggest personal reflection was this idea of kind of how work and home are the two biggest components of my life. I've never been a fan of this the concept that how's your work-life balance going? You know, work is an intrinsic part of, uh, of, of my life. So uh, it's funny when uh, work and home kind of come together, happen at the same time, in the same place. I think it reminded me that uh, actually this idea of work plus home uh, equals life was uh, so crucial. But I think when working from home started feeling like living from the office, I think, uh, you know, I, I realized it was a, a slightly different trajectory. And from a work perspective, it became more important than ever. This, while also from a home perspective, probably going at, you know, the, you know kind of at, at another level and focusing on the small things, uh, you know, simple things that brought us, uh, you know, that, that, that brought us pleasure. I think when work and home overlapped so much, it was interesting how reminding myself of the big picture from a work perspective was absolutely essential to be able to try to kind of guide us and lead us uh, through these difficult uh, times. While from a more personal perspective, when your world actually narrows and becomes smaller and becomes much more centered on your home, this ability of enjoying the simple pleasures in life, the small things in life, uh, was absolutely was absolutely crucial in that you know Mark said I've been MD of the business uh, two and a half year, two and a half, half years it's uh, something I want I've always wanted to be from the moment I joined that joined this business I I was like oh, wow would it be brilliant to not only enjoy this business but be able to be uh, the, the, the guy who manages and directs it with a you know, an awesome group of people uh, at Clear Channel but uh, 2019 was pretty much our best year ever. Uh, and you think, wow, this, isn't it brilliant? And then you kind of start 20, you know, 2020 and you're not far off your worst uh, worst year ever. It was a powerful reminder that you're never as good as they say you are, but you're also never as bad as, uh, as they say you are. So uh, I thought a powerful reminder, don't believe the hype, but don't believe the haters either. Oh, wow. I love, I love that. I love, love that quote there, Richard. And it's, and it's absolutely so true. Um, and, you know, it's, it absolutely the turbulence that that we experienced 2019 through to 2020 is kind of unparalleled and more so in your space than most. I mean, everyone's been impacted, but actually, when you talk about best to worst, it's you know, it's as 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 good and bad as it gets. How did you personally manage that? I mean, what did you have coping mechanisms? Um, you know, what, did you manage the stress okay? What was the, sort of some of the the ways that you were able to get through? I, I think. On a professional perspective, it was this idea of, uh, you know, and we describe in our business as kind of long-term agilism. 
it was reminding ourselves of around our mission and our purpose, uh, which was kind of that guiding, that, you know, that guiding northern lights, that northern star, uh, while also then kind of reminding ourselves that we would have to adapt and adjust our approach and our tactics in the short term and think very, very quickly as, uh, uh, you know, as our uh, board, we came together and we kind of had, we, we remained true to our mission, which was this idea of kind of creating the future of media. Uh, we remind ourselves that we wanted to remain true to our purpose, which is the idea of being a platform for brand and a platform for goods. But very quickly, we also had a few kind of overarching pandemic principles, which is kind of protect our people, protect the business, uh, and kind of remaining uh, socially uh, responsible. And I think through that, it was this socially responsible was this idea that we're an out-of-home business, yet the core message from the government was to stay at home uh, and therefore, you've got to be, be conscious that, you know, you've got to remain true to what the government's message is while also trying to protect the business. So sometimes you're, these, these emotions, these feelings uh, were, were, you know, were, were, were hard to work together. Where, where I do feel fortunate is I absolutely do love the at-home industry. I think it's, uh, I chose the outdoor industry. I didn't fall into it. You know, sometimes people talk about falling into a career, a job. I actually proactively chose to join this industry. Then I was really fortunate to join a business that I pretty much kind of fell in love with. And it's a completely different business. I mean, I would say that it's had four or five guys in the 22 years I've been there. But one thing has remained consistent is actually the people uh, we work with, the people I work with have always been brilliant. Might that be landlords, advertisers, agency specialist partners, but also, as importantly, kind of the, the team of Clear Channel. And I think through that, that gives you this ability to, you know, there's no politics. Uh, you know, we look after, you know, we look after each other. So therefore, professionally, that makes a big, big difference. And then on a personal level, I was, you know, I was one of the lucky ones. You know, we haven't got a big house, but we've got a nice house. I've got three children, 12, uh, 10, uh, and five. Uh, and I tried to make sure that, you know, from a, from a home perspective, you know, I tried to make this special for them as possible, and through trying to make sure that it didn't impact them, it was good for it was good for me. So suddenly made much more of an effort of speaking French at home, uh, which is one of my regrets with my my two elders. I probably didn't make too much of an effort. So seeing my little five year old uh, pretty much being fluent in French has definitely been one of the highlights of the pandemic. Got back into cooking loads of food and all the rest. I think again this idea of acknowledging that my life is made of work plus home. So trying to make sure that both of these were as fulfilling uh, as, as, as they could be. And I think you then try to do the best job you possibly can uh, and trust that others will judge you upon that, uh, basically the energy, the effort and the intelligence you put into your work. So Richard, you said something really interesting, which is I always knew I wanted to be MD. So I think we'll come back to that because that's an interesting intent. But you also said it was very deliberate how you chose outdoor and got into it. So uh, for many people watching this, you know, they're at that stage of figuring out how do I get started? How do I get on? How do I get up? So, so why did you choose outdoor and how did you get started? Yeah, so I think, as you say, it kind of goes back to me being French, first and foremost. I, was kind of, I grew up just south of, uh, of Lyon, which is actually also where uh, JC Decoe, invented the idea of the bus stop in the ad bus stop and I think this beautiful concept which is outdoor advertising is infrastructure first and foremost which is funded uh, by media and it's there is no infrastructure without the media but there's also no media 
without the infrastructure. And I thought that was such an interesting kind of an interesting kind of concept. And I was like, wow, this isn't it's brilliant when purpose is actually with the core of the product, you know, before we even talked about purpose. That's what I liked. And then I realized, well, that is the purpose in itself. It was, you know, before purpose was was trending in a way within the DNA of an outdoor business are these two facets. I look at Clear Channel UK, so we're 600 employees uh, across 15 depots. And I think people are always surprised when I share some of these numbers, like 600 employees, 400 bands, uh, 15 depots and offices. And that's because this idea of 400 of the people are actually people out there building street furniture, street infrastructure, maintaining that. And then we've got 200 people on the media side. So it's not like if we baked it in, it's not something we've added on top. It's actually at, at the core of the of the business model. And I always found that pretty uh, intriguing. And I probably should say I did do 18 months in uh, a little bit more in the finance uh, realm and foreign currency exchange. And I thought I can do this for 25 plus years. So I've got to do something else. And I thought quite enjoyed doing the study on JC Deco when I was doing uh, my master's. So why don't I look at what type of jobs are available within that space? And I think at that point I knew I knew I didn't want to be in New York. I knew I wanted to leave France, and then kind of London became uh, became kind of became that uh, became became that choice. And it was meant to be for two years maximum, and here we are, twenty two years on. So, so, so Richard, um, this is a bit of a dual question. Picking up on the so what what's so special about London that makes it home now for you? Um, but then a complete uh, curveball in the sense that I'd love to get some lessons in leadership from someone who really runs the the largest UK outdoor organization so what have you learned as, as being a leader in the top position as well so london and then leadership yeah i think london what i liked about it is when i was in france i felt uh, quite american my mom's american uh, when i'm in america i felt very very french and i felt london was probably somewhere in between and i remember landing in heathrow with kind of two suitcases and making my way to east london to a place called plasto uh, and just everything about London just felt brilliant and uh, then kind of went for my first, I arrived on the 7th of February 2000, started the clear channel on the 8th of February 2000 and then I kind of opened that door, on the front door on Golden Square having walked through Golden Square in Soho and just thinking I'm the luckiest, you know, you're 21 year old and I'm like, I'm so lucky you know, isn't this just awesome and I think from that point onwards I just trying to kind of lean towards the things that make me happy in uh, uh, you know that I'm I, that I feel pretty good at. I always find that the things I'm good at make me happy. And uh, you know when you're good at something, it makes you happy. And I find that uh, you know, and sometimes you find it by trying and testing and learning. But I find that it's uh, as as a mantra for life. It works uh, works quite well. Do more of the things that make me happy. Uh, you know, work on the things I need to get better at, and try to perfect a certain you know certain facets, skill sets, and the rest. Amazing. Yeah, that, that, that linkage between being good and happy is is often true, but so often not really respected and, and picked up on. Um, enjoy it along the way is a good lesson. But but I mean, you, you've you've climbed up through the organisation. It won't have been a straight line path. What have been some of the pivot moments to get from A to B? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting one because I think people assume that because I've been at 22 years at Clear Channel, that it's been a love story all the way through. That I always knew my way. Things just came my way. Or, and actually, I realized that, A, first and foremost, we've probably been four different business 
in that period of time. And I think I've, I, I always kind of was aware and I had someone very early on saying to me, Richard, you've got to unsee career, career as kind of snake in ladders. Uh, and that always helped me a little bit because I felt like when I got to a point where I was getting frustrated or things didn't happen, I always realized it, it was my choice, my choice to keep on looking for the opportunities within Clear Channel or at times have a conversation elsewhere and decide, okay, do I want to go and do something else? And I think it was even the moments when I chose not to go somewhere else, it was a conscious decision to stay. And I think as long as you're making conscious decisions uh, through your you know, through your career, that's the probably, you know, that's probably the most important. So I wouldn't describe it now when people ask me, and it's funny because, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have people who've, I wouldn't necessarily say mentor me because, I, you know, but people who have been kind to me have shared their views, their, their thoughts, their, uh, I wouldn't describe it as snake and ladders. Now I like to talk about it as a, as a little bit of a labyrinth and, you know, this idea that uh, you need vision around what you hope for, but you also need resilience. And I think, uh, you know, it's an equal, an equal measure, a vision of what you, you hope to achieve, a difference you hope to make, uh, and then this idea of resilience, because at times you need a little bit, you know, need, at times you need, you know, at times you need a little bit of both or more of one and less of the other. And I think that's probably, I think, again, a learning of the last 24 months. Had I not learned that the 20 years before that, I think I would have found the last two years extremely stressful because you do feel a responsibility towards the business but I'd say even more so towards the people because I think I recognize myself uh, in so many of the people in our in our business and I'm fortunate enough to, to say that uh, before I've been in the business 22 years there's a lot of people in our business who've been 30 40 years I mean this this year alone we've signed off four people's letters for their 40 years of clear channel which was quite uh, quite mind-boggling and uh, very humbling also you know, Richard, um, it, it's it's really interesting, particularly uh, rightly or wrongly, but sort of young people have this reputation of being slightly impatient with their careers. And in all honesty, you know, tending to kind of veer off in other directions and change jobs pretty frequently uh, and not perhaps certainly not having anything like the, the tenure or thinking that they have the tenure in one company the way that you have. Um, what advice would you give to somebody like that, particularly at a moment where they may be slightly frustrated in their current role um, and then sort of either looking to, to stay internal, go somewhere else? Um, what would be sort of your, your key tips on that? Yeah, I think probably the first thing to say is when you've been in a place 22 years, I try not to provide too much uh, experience in that space because I, I, I can only share my uh, lived experience. I think it's about asking yourself, the question, you know, the right questions around, you know, why, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling right here, right now? Uh, what are the, you know, what are the enablers in my careers? What are the blockers in my careers? Uh, what are the things that are making me happy? What are the things that are making me unhappy, basically, uh, uh, unhappy? Uh, I would say probably for me, it's the people I work with. It's probably the most important. I mean, the products and the people are the two things that, make me decide what I want to do, what I want to do next. And I even right here, right now, I know one of the things I love is the people I work with and my boss, you know, it's that they're, they're the, they make such a difference. Um, my boss was in a completely different business. I might even, you know, and he said to me, uh, Bonnie, I want you to come and join us. There's probably chances. I probably, you wouldn't even have to tell me too much about what that business was. I probably would 
really think about it. Yeah. Um, Bonnie is a great nickname, by the way. Love it. <laughs> um, so snakes and ladders, great. Yeah, lovely metaphor. Um, can you think of a snake that, or one of the times you slipped back a bit from where you'd wanted to be, you know, and what, and what you learned from that along the way? Because it's, you know, the setbacks happen to everybody. So is there any particular snake you'd highlight? Yeah, I, I, and it's interesting because I think sometimes the snakes are a something that's happening to the business and sometimes the snake is uh, the way you behave, the way you've done something. Uh, when it's about the business, it's sometimes easier because you can, you know, you can, it's, it's not about you, but I actually find the, the most difficult snakes, it's when it's about you, it's the way you're behaving, it's the way you're acting, it's the way... Um, and I think for me, probably one of the biggest uh, personal snake was this idea of I do like control and, uh, you know, and letting go of that control, you know, moving away from being an expert at what I do, actually being more of a generalist in the kind of coaching and leadership space. And when you've been in the business 22 years, when you know all the systems, you've helped write some of the, uh, some of the, some of the systems, some of the processes. Uh, you know, I think the, the the idea of letting go is a, is a, is a difficult one. At times, I often think maybe I would have become a better leader earlier had I gone to a business in which I didn't know all the systems, all of the processes. So, I would probably say snakes are moments when I need to change. I kind of know I have to, but it's really hard. It's really uh, difficult. Uh, and again, I feel like. You know, then some of their enablers were moments where I was chosen to about six years ago or so to go on in uh, INSEAD uh, leadership and change uh, course for like two weeks in Fontainebleau. And it was interesting because everything they said I knew already. There were things I'd studied and things I'd read. But for one reason or the other, at, at that moment, during that two weeks in the woods of Fontainebleau, something clicked. And I was adamant that, you know, I would make... I wrote a letter to myself of how I would, you know, how I would be a month on from here, how I would be in three months from here, how I would be in six months from there. Uh, and interestingly enough, month one, I was just about on track. Month uh, three, I was just about on track. Month six, I was ahead of where, what I'd written down. And, I, I, and then I think that's suddenly the ladder uh, where someone was willing to invest uh, in me believe that I had more in me and I think uh, you know you, you, these moments you don't you don't you don't look you know you don't look back but I think it has to be that moment you know I think had I gone to Fontainebleau maybe a year prior to that it probably wouldn't have just connected it would have still been as valuable as this and the other but would I have taken that moment and seized that enabler you know Richard it, it's actually quite remarkable how almost thoughtful and and some, in some ways, planned you heart you have been in terms of understanding your own self and what you want to get out of your career, and then being able to actually map it out in in many respects. Um, perhaps you know, recognizing that the world is agile and adaptive, and you need to kind of go at roll with punches. But still, you had a bit of a plan and a map um, that kind of moves you forward. Um, I'd love to just get your your sense and take as to the extent to which you feel that learning. You talked about the, the need to learn, unlearn, relearn. Um, sort of unlearn, learn, and relearn. Um, and I'd love just to get your take on on the sense of how you found uh, uh, what what role learning plays in your in your career. Yeah, I, I, I realize it, it, it's all depends, and it's fine. It's a little bit like inspirations and all of this. I think content you've got to be in a space where you want to be a sponge. 
And I think uh, what, I, what I know about myself is there's moments when I'm heads up and there's moments when I'm heads down and I'm very conscious of how I'm thinking and feeling. Uh, and when I know I'm, I'm, I'm in a heads up moment, I, at that point, I will go and seek, uh, you know, inspiration. I will go and seek uh, learning. And that learning comes from so many uh, facets. I kind of, you know, sometimes it'll be a course, sometimes it'll be uh, a coach or a mentor. Or actually, sometimes I, I find I learn so much from, you know, uh, you know, I shouldn't probably call them the youth team, but uh, the youngsters in our, in, in our business where they, they share something uh, about their lives. They share something about something they've learned about something they've picked up on, something they want to change. And I think, you know, I think trying to remain curious to learning can come from so many different, uh, kind of so many different kind of kind of different kind of places. And I think I, I always try to go back to this this idea of uh, self awareness and self belief, and trying to make sure that I I always start with self awareness. And, you know, when I feel like I've filled that tank, then I feel like I'm allowed to add a little bit uh, into the self-belief tank. But I kind of always try to start with making sure is my, is my self-awareness tank uh, full and then uh, top up the self-belief one. Yeah, lo lo lovely to hear that in terms of the importance of self-awareness. We're all on that journey, never, never perfect. Um, I'm just going to go a bit left field for a moment. I know you're really passionate about cycling. Um, and I, I just wonder if that's just because you love cycling or is it is actually a vehicle to reflect and think about things do you think about nothing do you think about everything what what role does cycling play for you well it's, it's funny actually yesterday was a media week awards and uh, someone uh, basically sally uh, one of my kind of clear channel friends asked me do you think they're going to ask you questions about cycling i'm like i, I doubt it uh, but uh, it, it's it, it's it, yeah cycling is is an intrinsic part of of, of, of my my life you know I, I absolutely love it and I what I love about it is this idea that uh, you know again it's it, it's if I can either think about everything or think about nothing I feel like it's where I come up with my best ideas uh, actually because I can let it breathe I can you know I'm not there trying to answer right here right now uh, I'm not there trying on my phone it's I find skiing is not dissimilar moments when you can't. You've got to let go. You've got to, you know, your 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 head, your 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 head, your lungs, your you know, your legs are are at full exercise, and therefore you you let go. You unhook a little bit, and from it, uh, some of the best ideas are at times actually, you know, I'm, if nothing's in my head, actually it's empty, but it's actually quite a beautiful empty, and I come back, uh, I come back resourced and ready, ready to try to be a better father, better husband, uh, and better managing director. There was definitely a glint in your eye when you started to talk about cycling. You really came alive there. Thank you, Richard. Uh, Richie, back to you. Well, no, it's, it's actually fascinating. And I, I actually love the observation that when there was nothing in your head, there was actually some of the most beautiful moments. And I guess that's, in many ways, the whole premise behind meditation is to try and clear that head. And then suddenly, you know, you get back into into reality and all of a sudden it feels like you've had such a refreshed uh, perspective on things so actually that's a really really cool nugget there that you just shared it's funny I, I don't meditate but i do go to i do uh, i am catholic and i do go to church and i do actually often think you know actually this is almost like uh, you know it does feel like meditation you know so i, I completely agree and i hope one day i have enough time to do do it all yeah well i'm sure that'll come 
Um, Richard, I, you know, one of the things that Mark opened with was certainly your sense, not just of purpose for your own organization, but also the, the, the fact that you recognize that you have a, a platform to help champion some of the best and the greatest causes out there. Um, and I'd love to get your take on why you feel that's important. Um, and then maybe a bit about um, you know, how you're able to actually help elevate others using your platform. Yeah, I think it goes back to this idea that I, I want to work in a place where my values can align with the values of the business where, uh, you know, in addition, we talk about this idea of kind of bring, bring you, shape us as kind of our employee value prop, if I was to use, if I was to, to use, uh, use that term. And I think we're very conscious that outdoor advertising uh, is one of the biggest broadcast channels one of those public, uh, physical, invisible. You know, you can skip it, you can ad block it. Uh, it's a very inclusive channel. And I think uh, with that, it's out of home superpower is this idea of being a platform for brand. But as a result, there's also this platform for good in the sense that 50p in every pound spent goes back to local authorities, local communities, local transport authorities. But there's also this, you know, we, we, we became quite clear that we wanted to use that platform to kind of promote, uh, you know, to, to, to promote things that we, we, you know, we believe in. And, you know, it's a quite an inclusive uh, process in the sense that we're, you know, we have in, Mark, you talked about this, uh, this fairness uh, conference you attended and, and you, where you shared the, 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 you know, your beautiful message on neurodiversity and its superpowers. And that kind of made us reflect on this idea of superpowers and this idea of what is our superpower? What is out of home superpower? And it was this idea, it's, uh, we, you know, we, we do broadcast, we do fame in a trusted environment. With that, you know, with great powers come great, you know, kind of great responsibilities. And we felt that, you know what, if we can make a difference, we should do uh, exactly that. And I think, uh, you know, we've, we've always might not be with CFAX William and 56 uh, black men, might that kind of might not be with Victoria Brooks and uh, the guys at Bloom, uh, might that be with Bricks and Finishing School? I think we're always very aware of if we can make a difference, we should, you know, absolutely try to do uh, exactly that. And I think what we've now started working on is actually enabling the team to share who are the charities they want to support. And that's kind of support with time, support with money, but also support with our biggest, uh, you know, our, our biggest asset, which is the out-of-home uh, uh, the out of home space, and you know, when you get people tell you that that story back of the difference we were able uh, to to make, and you know, we were fortunate two weeks ago to have a big event where we all came back together uh, on OC Island, and we had the uh, CMO from the T Teenage Cancer Trust explain to us that you know uh, a little bit that the battle they are having, how different Teenage Cancer Trust is to to, to cancer in general, and how the challenges are different but also the difference uh, we have been able to make. And I could see how the difference we made and how the team responded to it. It's a powerful reminder of, you know, if we're doing well, I think we have a, a, a duty uh, to, to, do, to, to do good uh, and to try to, you know, kind of move the agenda, change the narrative and move things in the right, a positive direction. I think that's, you know, it's, it's something I was always told from a very, very young, young, you know, kind of young, young age. And, you know, I always reflect on this idea of what would my parents say if they saw me 
what would my wife say? What would my kids say? What would my best friend say? Would they recognize me? And even as we speak today, for everything I say, I always have this reflection. Would, my, would the people who know me best recognize me? Would they know me if they sat at the back of the room? Um, so, and I think that's something that always stays with me. Yeah, that's lovely, Richard. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, the, 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 the linkage between doing well and doing good, but also how are you showing up and is it the person that people would expect of you? Um, I, I also never really thought about the role that out-of-home plays on infrastructure. I mean, it's sort of obvious now you've said it, but Rob, Robin had a question, how much of the revenue generated goes towards infrastructure public services? You said 50%. I, I couldn't have imagined that. But, um, but Robin's also got another question. Um, I don't know if you know Robin offline, but what, what's the next job you want? I don't know how much you can answer that, or but maybe this tilt towards what's to come, what's still left in your in your career ahead. I think what's what I what I'm happy with, and we talked about this earlier at the moment. I have got a you know I have got a Northern Star, something that I know I would want to uh, be able to achieve. Having said that, I've also kind of learned this idea of having to enjoy the moment, uh, live in the moment. And I think what I am excited about is I'm as happy now as I was on that first day when I walked through the doors of 33 Golden Square, you know, 33 Golden Square. So I think this idea that I'm still passionate about the industry I'm in, I'm as optimistic about our industry now as I was back then. I look at it and I kind of, you know, my... Our global president always talks about this idea that out of home is the oldest medium, but it might also be the one with the brightest future. And I completely believe that because I think when you think about reach, when you think about fame, when you think about trust, this is out of home's kind of superpowers. And we're really lucky that actually digital and mobile enhance out of home, actually make out of home work harder. And one of the things I always say to the team is, you know, let's take the best of digital and mobile and leave the worst. And imagine if we could achieve that, how powerful our channel could be. Imagine how much good we could be. And therefore, this idea of the 50p in the pound going back into local uh, authorities, transport authorities and communities will we'll keep on. So I think, you know, I, I would love, you know, I would, I, want to st I would love to stay in this industry. I would love to kind of keep on, Growing my role, my influence in that, uh, in basically uh, in that, uh, in, in in that, basically in, in that space. And you know, if anything, the last eighteen months have made me try to. Well, things are good, and you know, audiences have bounced back. Like you know, you know, ahead of prior to the pandemic, revenue is in a really, really solid place. I'm trying to enjoy the moment because we all know that there will be more battles. There will be more moments for. Uh, resilience uh, required ahead. So at the moment, I'm also trying to make sure that I'm not forgetting to live by my own um, principle and uh, try, try, kind of try, try to enjoy it. And I'm not going to lie, this week has been marked by these 45 minutes with you guys this morning, uh, having uh, seen the likes of Claudine, uh, Kathleen on the chat before. I was like, okay, wow, how do I make sure that I, you know, imposter syndrome was in full, uh, was, was in full, uh, full, full flow. Uh, as the week was uh, as the week was that uh, was building up so still getting myself out of my comfort zone but getting myself out of my comfort zone in slightly different ways and uh, I had someone again last night say to me well it's a good you know you should feel outside of your comfort zone you're always asking us to get comfortable with being uncomfortable you know so it's good to hear you're doing it yourself so, you know, thank you guys for you know, getting me on the show and getting me out of my comfort zone
Well, Richard, certainly have nothing nothing to, to, to fear at all. And uh, and most of them, I'm glad that we helped in that in that journey, in that personal journey of getting through. I must I've got to admit, by the way, that the that you've you gave me a warm and fuzzy moment um, when you every time you mentioned Golden Square, and certainly when you reflected on your journey as to when you landed up there as a youngster, um, and that and that sort of sense that it gave you. It was funny because when I was uh, at the early stages of my career, I used to live on Charlotte Street, and then actually walk all the way through uh, through to Piccadilly for for a role I was doing, and I'd pass Golden Square every morning, and honestly, it gave me that same sense of excitement the way that you've just said. So it. It clearly is an infectious place on so many levels. And you've just, as you were talking, it really just brought back that, that really nice memory that I had of the breeze in my face, probably seeing uh, a few people who had never made, didn't make it home the night before, um, around the square, but, but everything else just being just a really nice moment there. So, so thank you for that. You'll have to come uh, and join us. You'll have to come, uh, you'll, have, you'll have to come and visit us at uh, 33 Golden Square. We've got a nice, amazing space called the Playground in which we kind of try to invite advertisers, agencies, creative agencies to come and have a play, uh, have a feel and kind of experience things in real life out of home, which is kind of, you know, what we're all about. Yeah, I'll take you, take you up on that offer for sure, Richard. Um, I just want to um, sort of ask around um, sort of the, the inspiration points for you. And particularly, I mean, you're a, you're a mentor with us. Uh, you mentioned some other organizations that you're helping from a mentoring perspective. Um, so what role do you think mentorship plays in ultimate career success, uh, both for, for, for the, the, the mentee, but perhaps even a, in a reverse mentoring angle? Yeah, I, yeah completely. I find the word a mentor, uh, mentor or mentoring quite daunting because, again, it com- comes with this idea of, wow, what are the expectations? How do you try to match up against it? So I try to think about it more as a kind of coffee catch-up, I think, a, a chance for people to talk, to be open, to be honest, to feel that there are no kind of no barriers. Uh, and I, I realize you never really mentor someone. What you're having is a meaningful conversation, which if it goes well, creates beautiful serendipitous uh, moments. I always think back, I was lucky to be chosen to be part of the Bloom, uh, the exchange uh, two, uh, kind of two, two years ago. And I was uh, paired with uh, Kim French from Preen. And I look at uh, what started as kind of six session has now developed into a friendship and conversation that has have led us to kind of run campaigns uh, with like kind of We Are Girls on kind of on, on, on periods and things of that sort and kind of using our medium as a kind of platform to shock that taboo to kind of make it less taboo to make it a, a conversation point and I realized the best conversations are the ones when you are you don't see yourself as a mentor but in a conversation where you say let's have a conversation let's see the role it plays the influence uh, it has and you know I try to you know the, the idea of reverse mentoring I always try to think back at the young version of myself and you know what I enjoyed was when People, you know, who were senior gave me some of their time and uh, share their lived experiences. And I got to also share some of my, my hopes, my fears um, and so on. And I think it's, it's what makes our industry advertising and media exciting, exciting is the people. And I know it's cliche to say so, but that's what gives me energy. Uh, it's where I get my energy and it's where I want to place my energy and my time also. Yeah, lovely. Um, Richard, the time has zipped by, so 
uh, to finish on time, this is probably going to be the last question. Uh, but but th actually, thank you for being part of Mentoring Gen Z, which is still growing like Billio, both in terms of mentors and mentees. It's the School of Marketing, Richie and the School of Marketing's gift to help people into and thrive within the marketing industry. Um, and, and on that note, as a final question, you've reflected on so many areas, but there's an, if you're thinking about the advice that you would give to young people trying to make it in the world today, particularly in the marketing zone, um, what, what would be your, your core piece of advice for, for those folks? Yeah, wow. Um, not a small question, but... Yeah, not a small, not, not a small question. Uh, probably, again, a reflection I had when I was in uh, Fontainebleau uh, with, with INSEAD, which is the idea of think big, start small, but start now, because actually the hardest bit is that first step. Yeah, nice, nice. So... Um, Rich, has been brilliant having you on. We, we do like to honour the 8.45 finish. So we're just going to do a little bit of a wrap up um, of some of the key takeaways that, that we've had. Uh, I'm going to start actually just by saying there's a nice comment from Lindsay Homer, who's a regular on the show, uh, brand manager for Cadbury's Cream Egg. Uh, thank you for this session. Great start to Friday. Your honesty to share that doing this session is moving you outside of your comfort zone is so refreshing. And I would say absolutely that. It's been tremendously rich. So what did we get, for, what did we get from Bonnie? Uh, we got the emphasis upon learning, but actually not just for the sake of saying it, you know, going back to INSEAD and really uh, digging deep and learning about yourself. You talked about the importance of simple pleasures. Uh, don't believe the hate or the hype. I think that was good. And, and really, that's my sense of you, Richard. Very centred, very reflective, very people-oriented, very optimistic. And I, I love that thought, you know, would people recognise me? Am I showing up as people would expect to me, of me? Um, the linkage between being good and being happy, being good and doing good. There's just a huge centeredness about you, which I really, really loved. Um, and I, the letters to self and the fact that you held yourself accountable to that on the back of INSEAD brilliantly. Cycling allows you to think deeply, but also to unhook. Um, but I'm, I'm going to hold on to the snakes and ladders. I think that's such a great metaphor for everybody's career, you know, and it links to the fact that we can all be successful, brilliant, fulfilled, happy, but, but not every day or every week or every month. And it's actually those undulations that make for an interesting story and give us rich learning. So for your, your centeredness and your optimism and your reflectiveness, I, I, I thank you, Richard, for, for coming on the show. Richie. Thank you very much. Um, I, so, so I'm going to take and hold on to is the, is the actual thought that you've, you know, you're, you're such a, a family-centered man where, you know, you really talk about the need for having sort of life at home, life in the workplace, and actually you judge yourself um, across both those dimensions. And, and that's very rare, by the way. You know, usually people fall into, everyone, everyone talks about work life, but actually most people judge themselves more in one versus the other. And I think you're really somebody, the way, the way that you said, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, what would my, my, my parents think of this, my wife think of this, and my friends think of this, and would they recognize me in an individual in every decision that I make? Um, for me, it was just so special. And the fact that, you know, you use this opportunity, um, probably the most stressful point in your career or anybody, you know, if you're thinking about a, a world um, that, that we live in, yours is probably, you know, in, in that moment, quite stressful. And yet, actually, what gave you joy was the fact that you were taking time out to spend time with your kids, to, to brush them up on their French. Um, and that gave you real joy inside. Uh, and I just thought that was that was really remarkable. And, and especially the fact that you're leading that massive team on the other side of your life. And yet actually, you know, you're, you're really taking time to, to nurture your family and actually, you know, really feel like what they 
what they think, your friends think, your parents think are all really important assets and what you bring to your professional life as well. And that's really special. So thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Over to you, Mark. Well, I was going to say, um, it's, been a, it's been a real treat. Um, and, and actually, I, I forgot to say, the fact that you've got your five-year-old uh, zinging on his, on his French is a, is a wonderful, small but important silver lining of the pandemic. Um, so it's been a pleasure having you on, Richard. Um, we're here again next week. Thank you.